I'm Colin Perry, and this is Life, Death, and Tarot. Welcome to episode eight of Life, Death, and Tarot. I'm your host, Colin Perry, a dual certified thanatologist. And as is going to be relevant to this episode, I am also a 200-hour certified yoga teacher with additional training and expertise in things like Ayurveda, Marma points, chakras. That's right. I spent almost all of my 20s being a hippy-dippy obsessive person about learning about all this kind of stuff. And in fact, my business, which is still in existence today, Doth, um, we specialize in working with death care clients, so businesses that have to do with dead people or animals. Um, But we also had a specialization in yoga and wellness-type clients because um, yoga in the United States, we don't get taught the full sort of picture, but the purpose of physical yoga practice is to become more comfortable with your own death. Yes, that is true. If you think about corpse pose, which is Shavasana, which pops, which shows up at the end of every yoga class, we kind of go through all of this physical practice work so that we can sort of practice being dead for a few minutes, but it takes a lot of work to get our mind to calm down and for us to like work through anxiety and junk in our bodies so that when we're laying there, we're not focused on, what is that weird feeling in my thumb? Is that cancer? Oh my gosh, I had a mole there. So it takes a lot of work to be able to get to a state that would allow you to receive the benefits from corpse pose. All right, so I just jumped in there. So this this is the eighth interview on this podcast, and today you're going to meet Matt. Now, I originally did this interview with Matt December 29th, 2017, and um, I have known Matt, I think, about seven years, and I met him because of my yoga background and my work with the yoga world. And in the context that I originally met Matt, he was technically my, I mean, no, he was like my boss. Like he had hired me um, and my husband to uh, consult with the firm, with the yoga wellness business that he was the CEO of. Um, So that's how we met. And so Matt knew me when I was in a hippy dippy phase and uh, we've remained friends ever since then. And I guess, uh, yeah, here we are, which is kind of cool. Now, what's interesting in this episode, so first of all, we're going to be touching on things today. I want to give you a little preview. We're going to be talking about the little voice. Um, I'm really excited for you guys to hear Matt because I think he is going to offer a perspective and an opinion that like a lot of you can probably identify with. Um, So little voice stuff, Um, He also had, for those of you who might have trauma associated with Santa Claus, fair warning, because there is a story in here that conjured up images of those uh, velociraptors in Jurassic Park that spit in your eye and blind you. So if you listen to the interview, you're going to hear how that relates to Santa Claus. 
We also talk about, or Matt talks about this this motto thing that that I hold near and dear, and a lot of you have bought pens with that motto on there, which is, I don't have time for bullshit. Well, sometimes we can kind of use that mindset or that phrase to avoid stuff, to keep people out, for example. We also have conversations about marriage, um, and I talk about my own marriage. And as a result, make sure you stick around to the end because you're not only going to hear two updates from Matt, one that came in in February and one that came in in April, but you're also going to get to hear from Victor. He is the podcast producer and my husband. Um, I felt he deserved a chance to defend himself because I called him an asshole. So this is what's ahead on today's episode. Before we jump in with the interview, I, I have some homework I want to go over. Number one, tarot by mail, $10. So I mentioned on the last uh, episode about how years ago I went to like a business camp and was taught this idea about fail fast, fail cheap. Like, do you have an idea? Just put it out there. Just put it out there. See what happens in, you know, the spirit of learning as much as you can. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then you have learned a lot. Well, the tarot by mail has done really well, and it's been really exciting to send these little orders out, and even more exciting is when people post what they got, then they look up what the cards mean, and then they share about how it relates to their lives. Um, If you're interested in seeing what people say, you can visit or join our Facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash life death tarot um, and if you're interested in getting three actual real life tarot cards in the mail um, I also include a life death and tarot sticker that's just 10 bucks so and you can find that at lifedeathtarot.com the other thing rankings and reviews you guys really came through for me with my request and it's still ringing true that what makes a lot of people listen to this podcast is what they're reading in the reviews um this week i would like to thank m mcgill for this whatever you do don't pass on this podcast just because you're not into tarot you don't need any knowledge or fascination with the cards for listening to be a profound experience while the cards and readings may be the theme of the podcast it's actually about so much more it's more of a look at life and everything it brings with it the episodes with tarot readings are awesome but the la petite mortisodes are my favorite you never know what kind of great insight you might take away from them Thank you so much, Emma Gill. I really appreciate your review. And she's caught on to my sort of big secret. So I kind of get you in with tarot, like, oh, we're going to talk about tarot cards and interviews through tarot. But in reality, I'm kind of sneaking in thanatological concepts as often as possible. Because the reality is, is who's going to sign up to listen to somebody talk about death? That's really a difficult sell. So I'm pairing it with tarot. And so far, I think we're all having a good time. Next item. Let's talk about upcoming travel and upcoming events. So my hope is I would like to do some more Life, Death, and Tarot events 
around North America this year. Are you in Milwaukee? Because I'm going to be in Milwaukee sometime in August, and I was thinking of trying to do a life, death, and tarot event there. If you're in Milwaukee, reach out, let me know. The next city, Dallas. I'm going to be in Dallas at the end of June, um, and so I was thinking of putting together a life, death, and tarot meetup or event on Tuesday, June 19th. Atlanta, Friday the 22nd of June. And then I'll be in Vancouver, Canada um, and have time in the morning on Friday, April 4th before I fly home. So if you're in Milwaukee, Dallas, Vancouver, Canada, or Atlanta, let me know because I need to find a partner that's there on the ground that can help me facilitate this. I also have a big congratulations to send out this week. Congratulations to Mandy Hungerland. She's the talented designer and artist who did all of the artwork for this podcast. She got married this weekend. Um, So if you guys post congrats in the Life, Death, and Tarot Facebook group, I will absolutely make sure that she sees it when she gets back from her honeymoon. I also want to thank Bonnie and Shannon, who these two are the literal final push in my life that made this podcast happen. They gave me the confidence that I needed to just do it, to just try it. And on top of that, they're adminning the Life, Death, and Tarot Facebook group. Um, So gratitude is not enough of a word to express how thankful I am for both of these two in my life. Um, I also want to thank Victor for the production and the show theme music as well. Okay, so that's all the homework for the week. Now you get to hear my interview with Matt. Hi, my name is Matt Dozart. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I am I own a, a small security business here uh, in the area, and uh, I'm excited to uh, be on the podcast. I, uh, I've never had my uh, tarot cards read, but um, I'm open uh, open to anything, and um, uh, really uh, really interested to see uh, what this turns up. Um, okay, so here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna we're gonna pick the cards together, and then I'm gonna read you like the traditional meaning, and then we'll just go from there and see where we go. So you're watching me shuffle these cards, and then I just want you to tell me when to stop shuffling them, and then I'm gonna set the deck down on the table and then break it into two piles. All right, stop. Do you want me to put the right side on top of the left or the left on top of the right? Left on the right. Now the cards are back in a pile and I'm gonna spread these out into a line and I'm gonna take my finger and go from the left to the right and you're gonna tell me where to stop and flip the card starting now. Right there. Go, no, go back, go back. There's one that I'm looking, go back. This one? One more, one more. That one right there. For some reason that one liked me. Trippy as fuck. So this is the judgment card in reverse. And the gal that I just read for that <laughs> used the same deck and that um, she had the judgment card in reverse, but in a different position. Now we're gonna be pulling the card for the present position and you tell me when to flip. Getting close. One more, that one. Go back to, go back to. Ah, you have the queen of wands. She's very regal, sitting on her throne, with a black cat in front of her. 
Now we're going to do the future card. Right there. And you have the King of Pentacles in reverse for your future card. These are your cards for your past, present, and future reading. The first thing I'm going to do is read to you the traditional definitions right out of a tarot textbook. Um, this is just what each card means completely on its own, and then we'll talk about how they might relate to each other, what themes come up, what values they represent, um, and we'll go from there. So judgment is in your past position, and with a past, present, future reading, this tends to have to do with like your recent past and the value that that card has is it just helps you as long as you connect with a theme or something that that's referring to then we're good and then that's what you need to be framing this whole thing um, against now the judgment card this has to do with change of position renewal outcome in in reverse this has to do with um, this concept of weakness or simplicity, also deliberation, decision, and sentence. So it's attached to like difficulty, shift, um, but also this idea of renewal. And you don't have renewal until you don't end up just getting renewed. Um, something has to happen in order for that to be triggered. Um, mm. So we'll talk more about that. And this, uh, and this is in, this is in the past. This is in the pa like recent past. Okay. Okay. What, what what would be the recent past? Is there a way to sort of define that time? Yeah. So the tarot cards are full of symbolism, the colors, what little things are represented, and we can kind of look at what's visually represented to kind of get an idea on time. So traditionally in tarot, we would say so. Your present card is the Queen of Wands, and she's got a sunflower. So that is a set, when do sunflowers, end of summer, summertime, right? And um, King of Pentacles has to do with, well, he's got grapes. And what time of year do grapes get harvested? The fall. Yep, the fall. Um, yeah. So we would say that, so if this Queen of Wands has a sunflower and it's sort of like end of the summer season, that that's kind of there, and then the grapes too, you're kind of, we would say that your future maybe by autumn of 2018, end of summer of 2018, that's going to be when you start to shift out of the quote-unquote present into the future. That means mm -hmm. then that your recent past is probably attached to this most recent summer and sort of leading up to that time period. Mm -hmm. That's just based off of what the symbols say. There's also t ways to track time in tarot cards from like what numbers that they're attached to, but I tend to follow the symbolism of the foliage that shows up to figure out what it's saying in terms of time. Now, I want to read to you about the Queen of Wands um, and what she represents. I'm going to hold her up so you can kind of check her out. The wands throughout this suit are always in leaf as it is a suit of life and animation. Emotionally and otherwise, the queen's personality corresponds to that of the king, but is more magnetic. Um, a dark woman, country woman, friendly, loving, honorable. Um, if the card beside her signifies a man, she's well disposed towards him. If a woman, she's interested in the querent. This card also has to do with love of money. 
In reverse, this card has to do with the concepts of good, economical, obliging, serviceable, signifies also opposition, jealousy, deceit, and infidelity. And um, you do have a the king of pentacles that appears next to her. So I would be thinking about women in your life or a strong female figure in your life um, because I'm wondering if you are the king of pentacles and the this queen is somebody else, but we can talk more about that because there's some symbolism in this card with the black cat. And then the queen of wands also has the fighting like heraldry lions behind her. Um, and then she's sitting on a throne that is flanked by two of the uh, lions that you often see in heraldry. Um, so that's a symbol for you to watch out for is these like heraldric lions. Sometimes they're used um, in logos and just you'll see them on buildings and stuff like that. Pay attention. Or if there's mm -hmm. anything in your house, like, or somebody you know that has a tattoo of a lion, sort of a traditional lion on them, that's something to mm -hmm. look at. Or even your own um, last name meaning or the last name of women in your life. Um, that would be an interesting thing to check out. Okay. King of Pentacles is in your future position. This figure calls for no special description. The face is rather dark, suggesting also courage, but somewhat lethargic in tendency. The bull's head should be noted as a recurrent symbol on his throne. Um, the sign of this suit is represented throughout as engraved or blazoned with the pentagram, typifying the correspondence of the four elements in human nature and that by which they may be governed. This card has to do with Valor, realizing intelligence, business and normal intellectual aptitude, sometimes mathematical gifts and attainments of this kind, and success in these paths. So this is a positive card, um, but this fellow, this king of pentacles that's sitting here, you know how it mentioned courage? Mm -hmm. He's seen some shit, and he's sort yeah. of um, like coming to terms with it, but has uh -huh. kind of move through it. Um, and this bull thing, this bull symbolism, this has to do with stubbornness. So, um, if this, if, if you, if you hear this and you're like, Oh, I think that King of Pentacles guy is representing me or something. I would ask you if there's been something you've have realized that you've been stubborn about that has maybe oh. shifted. Yeah. I got quite a story for you. Really? <laughs> okay. Well, is this, is this resonating these tarot cards? Yeah. Well, that last one, um, but uh, yeah, most definitely. <clears throat> okay, elaborate. Fill me in. What's what is this right. connecting to? You, you ready to you ready to dive into mm -hmm. the story? Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I've uh, I've I've seen some shit. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's a good way to put that. Um, I've been through some shit, and um, I've uh, you know uh, for. I, I, you know, I used to, um, you know, we bring up the Himalayan Institute in my time there, which was, um, you know, um, rewarding and unpleasant all at the same time. And, um, you know, it, it, I'm, while I'm glad that that chapter is behind me, um, I've had some recent revelations that maybe I was holding some grudges and some um, animosity towards the entire experience and some of the personalities involved. Um, that may or may not have deserved some of that scorn. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've been processing, you know, quite, quite a lot. Um, uh, on the 25th of November, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, messed around with meditation and, 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 and the practice of meditation for 
oh, I don't know, 12 years now, maybe mm-hmm. a little longer, maybe 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, on again, off again, I'd never say that I really had any sort of um, intense um, um, meditative experience. It's just been what I think most people experience, which is um, just this um, incredible feeling like you're wasting hours of your life <laughs> doing <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Doing what all the books and all the teachers talk about. But um, on the 25th of November, I was feeling, you know, uh, extra shitty. And um, uh, I, but I had I have this voice that talks to me and uh, every once in a while. And it's been maybe about three or four times in my life. Um, this inner guide has spoken and he speaks very loudly um, and uh, tells me to do stuff. And so um, I was, uh, I guess, at a lower point um, in, you know, in that month or in that frame of time. And, um, all of a mm-hmm. sudden I got this, this voice in the back of my head said, you know, you should go sit a little bit and, um, and you should ask, you know, you should ask the question you want to ask. And mm-hmm. so, um, so I went back, uh, to my meditation space. I sat down, um, and, um, the question I asked was what the fuck is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. That was basically the, um, the, 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 the issue, you know, why can't I be happy? Why, you know, why can I, why can't I sustain any sort of, um, you know, peace and equanimity? And, um, uh, so I, uh, I, you know, did my regular practice and about midway through, I had a complete shift of consciousness, um, like, like a psychedelic like experience. Um, <clears throat> like a real intense, like, um, well, I saw something in my mind's eye, um, mm-hmm first time ever. I mean, I've seen colors and stuff and I've had thoughts, you know, come and go, but this was almost like a TV show turned on in my mind and, um, like 2020, you know, vision, full color, you know, 4k resolution, a hand basically appeared and it had a piece of paper. It held out a piece of paper and, um, the piece of paper on the piece of paper, it was more like a web page, but it was, it was tactile. I mean, it was, it, it flowed like paper, but it had what looked like sort of like a video player in it, like a YouTube video. Huh. And um, uh, now this is going to sound crazy. And I mean, like, I mean, it took me a while to even feel comfortable sharing this with people because I just felt it was so petty and ridiculous. Mm. Um, but everybody I've shared with have, um, have, you know, feel like better that it's not. <laughs> and um, so I'm willing, I'm willing to share it. But um, so the question was, what was wrong with me? You know, why am I so negative? Why can't I be happy? Um, came up and um, the, on this video or this video player that was shown to me, uh, it was like a flashback to when I was seven. It was around this time. Well, it was a little earlier. It was around exactly this time of year, though, or on the 25th of November. Um, mm. Because, um, yeah, we're moving out of Thanksgiving and into Christmas and yep. yada, yada. So I'm seven years old. I'm at my next door neighbor's house and I'm like fully engaged in what seven-year-olds think about around Christmas time, you know, what I'm going to get. Yes. So um, I'm, uh, I'm telling my next door neighbor, Jonathan, all about like, you know, I'm going to get this thing or that thing. And, um, you know, and um, uh, somehow um, uh, he, I think he asked me the question, how do you know you're going to get it? I'm like, well, you know. Be- hey guys, I'm cutting in here because Matt's audio cut out. But what he said was he knew that he was going to get the gift. Because Santa was going to bring it. 
laughed. And uh, I was seven. Jonathan was probably about four or five years older than I was. And, you know, he laughed at me and he said, you still believe in Santa? I'm like, of course I do. And uh, he said, Santa's not real. It's your parents. And I'm like, no, that's not true. And so let's take mm-hmm. a step back and like say and, and, and I guess frame this a little bit better. Um, I've always been an extremely logical person um, mm-hmm. from as long as I can remember. And um, the whole Santa story, the whole religious fantasy stories, um, none of those things land with me. You know, I mean, I have Uh questions, you know, just just because doesn't work. I need to understand the mechanics of everything. And um, so um, mystery and fantasy, just uh, not my not my thing at all. It has to it has to make sense from beginning to end. I'm not making faith based leaps. So. I would ask my dad all sorts of questions about Santa Claus, you know, like, you know, how could he possibly visit every single house, mm-hmm. you know, one night in the entire world and carry all of those things? You know, we struggle just to carry our own groceries. How can they carry every single person's gifts, yes. you know, around the world in 24 hours time? That just didn't make sense. Well, my dad was extremely gifted at coming up with answers that would that he thought should you know shut me down but they never really did i was insatiable mm-hmm. uh, um, i'll give you an example of one uh, you know I, I told him one christmas eve i'm gonna stay up and i'm gonna uh, you know i need to see him for me to believe in santa claus i need to see him yeah and um mm-hmm. <laughs> he told me i remember mm-hmm. uh, this is the only one i really remember vividly he said well you can't do that and i said well why not dad he said because he'll spit in your eye and you'll go blind Oh. <laughs> so you know, this is way. This is like just to show you the depths of like oh. the, the mess, like what he would do to make me, you know, just buy into this fantasy that he wanted to sell. And um, <laughs> so, so that I'm took a turn. It. Yeah, let's um, let's uh, let's switch back to um, uh, to to the video that you know that this hand in my in my meditation was you know was sharing with me and. Um, uh, so it was back at that moment and, you know, um, uh, you know, so Jonathan, my next door neighbor is making fun of me, you know, um, uh, for believing in Santa and I'm trying to engage him in a debate, you know, on how Santa's real, et cetera, and, and whatnot. And, you know, of course he's five steps ahead of me and, you know, like just yeah. beats me down. And so I get mad and I, you know, I go home. So another thing that's interesting, I'm 41 years old, you know, so, um, it, I was home alone. I was seven. So I have a seven-year-old son now. And I'm just thinking, I mean, like, we don't trust this. I mean, he doesn't get out of our sight. But somehow I was home alone. My mom was at work. Um, I And I wasn't even at my house at seven years old. I was next door playing. Huh. So we had that much, that much um, free reign back then or, you know, um, 30, what, 37 years ago or mm-hmm. 34 years ago. Um, <clears throat> and um, so... Um, I, I, I go home, I pick up the phone, um, I call my mom at work and I ask her if it's true. And, um, my mom, you know, wasn't nearly as bought into selling me the story. So, um, she says, well, look, Matt, I don't want to lie to you. Um, and, uh, she says, yeah, it's, you know, Santa's not real. Um, you know, your dad and I are Santa Claus and blah, blah, blah. And I hung up on her and I picked up the phone and I called my dad. Um, and, um, and, uh, and, you know, uh, I, I gave it to him, you know, in, in a seven-year-old uh-huh. way. But yeah. um, uh, I guess um, at that moment in the video that I saw in that paper, what happened, I, I'm telling you my memory of what happened after um, yeah. this. So when I went at the moment when my mom told me she didn't want to lie to me, um, like the video pixelated. 
like huh. everything just sort of like turned, you know, it got more and more granular, like turned into like what looked like Minecraft, like small Minecraft blocks, basically. And then it just sort of fell off the page. And I, you know, I understood huh. that and what that meant. It was like, you know, my entire reality sort of just sort of like crumbled at that moment. And I've struggled ever. And then it and then it. And then I connected the dots, um, you know, ever since that, that, that point in time, I don't think I've ever fully believed anyone ever, mm-hmm. you know, it was like I made, you know, I made this psychological, uh, connection where, you know, um, no one, no, no one is telling the truth. You, know, you can't believe them, that sort of thing. And you can't allow yourself to, to have faith in anyone or anything. Uh huh. Um, you know, and then the, the, the hand turned the piece of paper over and showed me lots of little things that happened in my recent past where I'd gotten mad at people doing normal kinds of insincere things, you know, um, the way that people treat people in power, yes. you know, um, when they're in the room and then, you know, obviously they act differently when they're not in the room or if you lose your power, you know, or, you know, or you lose your position over them, how, um, you know, uh, relationships change and, and, you know, and, and whatnot and yes. leaves you wonder, you know, like, well, I thought we were friends, you know, but in fact, I was probably just your boss, that sort of a thing. Yes. Yep. And, um, those sorts of little lies, those little white lies that we tell one another to, you know, to protect one another's feelings and things like that. I didn't have any tolerance. I couldn't tolerate them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made me extremely, un, you know, un, unsettled. And um, but I just kept seeing on this on this flip side of the paper, example after example after example of just all these little white, insignificant, non-evil, non-threatening fabrications. And I just had this overwhelming feeling that like everything is bullshit. It's like I'm swimming in bullshit. Like there's not anything that's true. Yeah. And I wasn't, but I was living my life according to like some sort of value that was outside of, or was in conflict with the fact that, you know, every, everything we think, say, and do has a little element of, you know, mistruth, you know, sort of woven into it. And it's just, that's cultural. It's what, it's the way that we operate. Um, just, and, um, and, uh, I was unhappy. I guess subtly I've been aware of it all this time, but I didn't, I didn't realize that that was what had me, what had me unsettled. Hmm. Um, and it's like almost immediately within, you know, within, I don't know, 20 minutes of, you know, of, of having that realization, I was completely resolved, um, with that, with that problem. And like, I, you know, I've ever since been, well, I, I first of all, then, you know, after, after that realization came, then, sort of like the entire meditative experience turned into like kind of what I would say like look sort of like Tibetan Buddhist art, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, like I had like all of these strange things going on in my mind. And I felt like I got like sort of like um, submersed in this red translucent goo, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like I felt like I was like in some viscous, you know, um, fluid yeah. that was, I, I was experiencing it as sort of like a, like a, um, Sort of like a, a pale, a pale red color, um, and then I could feel that pale red color like working on me. You know, like I mean, like I had this overwhelming sense that, like, uh, you know, don't worry, you know, we'll fix you. That 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 sort of thing. Like there was an external um, source of healing that was going on. And I mean, I like I don't know how. I think it was like an hour or two. I just sort of sat there and just like experienced that. 
it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced, to be honest with you. It was amazing. Um, and then, and then it was done and I walked away and like, I mean, I was real quiet about it that night. I didn't share with my wife, Mm -hmm. um, the, the experience, because again, first of all, I felt like, you know, like how on earth could, you know, like something as silly as like this, like Santa Claus, you know, myth, you know, like caused me 30 something years of misery and, and, you know, like on on again, off again, you know, um, and, and not allowing me to trust things. It just felt really dumb. And I, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, I needed, I needed to resolve in my own, you know, in my own mind whether or not that was a, a real experience or if I was just going crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But um, eventually I shared it and, you know, and, uh, and, and the, more I, the more I talk about it, the more it makes sense and the more comfortable I am with it. Yeah. Um, and I've had, ever since then, I've not, I've had a completely different outlook on life. Um, I've been more comfortable in my own skin. I've been more comfortable around other people. Um, I've been able to tolerate, you know, I'm, I'm, I can see, you know, with like greater clarity, um, people, you know, telling these little white lies and, you know, and, and to themselves and to other people. And mm-hmm. it does, it's not off putting anymore. I, I have like a deeper understanding and, and almost like a reverence for it that it's a, um, well, if you tell me a little lie, well, you must care about me because if you didn't care about me, you would just hurt my feelings. You wouldn't, you wouldn't try to, to avoid that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's completely flipped my perspective on pretty much everything um, on its on its head, and I, I I feel like I've had the best you know I guess what thirty seven days of my life. <laughs> really, it's it was that so it was like literally like a line in the sand kind of a thing. Yeah. Huh. A light switch. Huh. Why do you think that happened? Because here's the deal: personal growth or realization about how how you inherently are. Like we all, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I, I work on myself. I'm, I'm open, but most people don't ever actually really change. And if they get to the point where they identify this behavior pattern that they've kept their whole lives, it might've protected you, you know, up to a certain point, but then it stopped working in your favor. Most people don't actually experience a, a significant change in the way that they are. And what you're describing sounds like you've had a like found there's a shift in your literal foundation. Why yeah. why did that happen? I don't know. Well, I mean, every time that this voice has ever told me to do something, if I honor it and do it, it shit works out. I, I you know, I mean, and I'm this is like I'm like I'm saying like a couple of a couple of times, maybe three times or four times that I can remember where I just have the, like this overwhelming, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it speaks to me in English. It speaks to me in my language. It's, mm-hmm. it's clearly not my inner, it, it, it feels like an external force that, 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 that talks to me. And I guess people would say that that's God or whatever, you know, I mean, it's just this, it, it's just, I, you know, I'd, I'd call it intuition or whatever, but it, the universe just kind of just says, go and do this. And I mean, I've been more dedicated this year than I have um, in my entire life to, to, to working on, you know, sort of solving the mystery that, you know, that, that, that was kind of the impetus for my, you know, my negative frame of being, Mm -hmm. you know, like why, no matter what I did, no matter what I would accomplish, no matter how much money I would, you know, earn, no matter how great my relationship with my wife or my children were that I just couldn't be happy. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew that it was, you know, I just sort of like negatively, um, ground, like grounded in negativity and that, you know, like, and cynical, you know, yeah. just like, um, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, if you really step back and think about it, I mean, 
I, you know, I mean, that was a very joyful idea for me, you know, you know, mm -hmm. like thinking that I was, you know, that there was this magical man that was going to like, you know, give me everything I wanted, you know, in a couple of weeks time and so on. And then, and then I just like, you know, and then like, boom, all of a sudden, you know, uh, I got pulled out from, you know, that rug got swept out from underneath me. Yeah. And I think like always I've, I've connected whenever there's something good. And I mean, it's true. It's a universal truth. I mean, you can't have um, yeah, anything good without there being some balance, you know, there's a duality at play all the time, but, um, I guess I was afraid of the duality. I was afraid of, you know, well, if something good happens, well, something bad has to happen. Maybe not to me, but it has something bad has to happen to, to, to counterbalance. To keep the balance. Yep. You know, it's interesting so, hearing you say this, um, you, my, my husband, Victor, um, this year, he's had a very elemental shift. And since the summer, Victor, my husband, has been very cynical his whole life and just sort of always seen the, the, the negative side and just very, very similar outlook. And um, for whatever reason, he had a crazy, um, like a, it was literally like a window opened for him. And he has been a different human um, just even in the last few months. And it's been a little bit difficult for me as a spouse because I have adapted to him being this sort of negative Nancy kind of guy, like just like thoroughly through and through to now not. And I have found that I have had a hard time like letting him be positive. Do you, like in, it, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, well, no, I mean, because it's like a little death you're experiencing, you know, yeah. he's, um, you know, your, um, your interpretation of who, you know, he was has changed. Yes. So even though you might have Victor 2.0 or an upgraded version, you know, other, uh, other people would say, well, you know, it's, uh, he's much more pleasant to be around, mm -hmm. he's, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. You're sitting here thinking, well, where's this man that I'm madly in love with? I mean, he's gone. Yeah. You know, it's he's, like, he's a whole it's, new person. it's like you changed the rules on me. Um, mm -hmm. and it's been bizarre to watch that because most adults and particularly I would, I would say men, um, are not as open to like just being a different guy. Like Victor went to the gym today, like the actual gym. <laughs> I have been with him 14 years. I don't think he's ever gone to the gym. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, what is, what is happening? So he had, he's had this, this elemental shift as well. And it sounds like there's some similarities yeah. there. Which yeah, kind it's of funny. It's really, it's really hilarious because, I mean, I've always sort of um, thought of Victor as a as sort of a soul brother to me. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, one of the, one of the few people that, that I've, in my past, that I've, that I've spent time with where I felt like we were sort of on the same page Cut from on, the same almost cloth. on almost everything, you yep. know? So I've always thought of him as a brother just because we were so, uh, intellectually compatible, yes. um, emotionally compatible, you know? Yeah. So, um, that is wild that, um, how yes. long ago did his shift happen? Well, so and over the, this, the window over... opening is, is, is also, you know, cause I mean that I felt like, you know, like earlier this year, my heart opened up mm -hmm. for the first time. Like literally like there was an opening. Yeah. So it was funny that we talked about like a window opening. Yeah. And it was literally like f for me watching it like this window was opening. And um, over the summer, um, and, and it has been just a difficult year in our relationship. And it will be our 10-year wedding anniversary this weekend um, as well, actually. Um, so 
difficult year to just put it plainly. And I know everybody has those, but like earlier this oh, yeah. year, I feel like he was like even more of an asshole. And then this summer, um, I had this book that I read called Insight um, and by Dr. Tasha Urich. And I was reading some passages out loud to him. And there was one day that it like caught him. And I think this was like June or July. And it's like, I saw him like get a wave over his face as he started to comprehend this. It's the whole book is about like self-realization kind of stuff, but through organizational psychology sort of informed theories. And I remember the passage I was reading him was about rumination. So rumination is like sort of, you're just always in your head. You're always thinking things, thinking about things, but you're not actually really getting anywhere. Um, And I think the way that this book described how that works, he was seeing for the first time that it wasn't actually getting him anywhere. And so he had like, like the breeze of some of this knowledge, but, and then it like closed off. But then like at the end of summer, it opened and it was open for a little bit longer. And in the last, probably about the middle of November, it has been like consistently present for him and in our lives. Like he went to the gym today and he's, he's never been a guy that like, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of myself that way. That has never been him at all. Um, And so he's been really different. I mean, like good different, but it's been difficult for me to be with somebody who's not the cynical guy who's like, cause it's, I always felt like we were kind of paired as opposites like I was always this mm-hmm. positive, bubbly kind of da 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 da, and he was like the polar opposite. But now he's had this sort of elemental shift, and um, like I'm still trying to get my head around it, and I'm excited for him. And he's also starting to think in a new way about what he really wants to do, and um, who he really, you know, wants to be, and and focusing on that. And Victor's Appalachian, and so there's some cultural stuff there that I think he inherited that's like, um, in Appalachian culture, it's like if you do better than your family, then you're kind of saying a big fuck you to your family because, oh, now you're better than us. There's like this sort of thing that keeps everybody at a specific level, and he has really, I think, been ready to let go of this idea thing that he's lived with and within him his whole life um yeah mm-hmm. so it's been yeah sorry i went off on a tangent there on our no. own stuff but <laughs> no i like that uh, you know well it's funny you say that it's almost like being you know like you felt like um initially um you know you guys sort of counterbalanced one another you were kind of opposites and then now you feel like you're more moving into being you know in line with one another mm-hmm. um I had a, um, a, a guy uh, tell me one time he was, he was you know, on his second marriage and um, much happier the second time around. Hmm. And he said, yeah, the first, the first, the first marriage, um, I, 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 the guy knew what he was talking about, too. So it wasn't just mm-hmm. like some guy. I, was talking, I think he was a I think he was a psychiatrist or something. Okay. He's like, yeah, people typically on their first marriage marry the opposite. But on uh, on second marriages, they tend to marry marry likes. Oh. So look at oh. it as an opportunity almost to remarry the same person. I'm have that but, have that second, have, have a second marriage yeah, but to the same one. You can have your second marriage but with the same guy. That's it's a good opportunity. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a, thank you. It's a it's a good way to look at it. Some days I'm I don't know, I'm just like you're going to the gym? Something wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> like 
Um, well, there are a lot on there are a lot of little fears that happen too. You know, like when, especially in men, when men change their behaviors, they normally like change their behaviors. Yes. And I think in most women's mind, they're always thinking, well, like you know, like what's causing this and whatnot. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. Um, but um, anyway, it's um, he's a he's a loyal fellow and a trustworthy guy. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would say so too. So yeah. um, you know, I want to tell you so. While you were telling me this, like your what's been going on in your life and like your the, the big vision and stuff. So the the Queen of Wands card with that sunflower, when the mm-hmm. I would encourage you to look for sunflowers in your life, like like literal sunflowers at the store, or like let's say someone brings you a bouquet of flowers and there's a sunflower in there, but also like. Um, home decor or if you're at a restaurant and there's like a sunflower on the table the sunflower in tarot symbolism always has to do with that it always looks towards the sun it's a a reminder about literally looking on the bright side and just follow the light and because um, I know your background and you're familiar with the yoga stuff and the meditative stuff and the hippy dippy it's uh, actually connected to following your purpose and who you're supposed to be because you spend, we spend our whole lives having these two voices in our head. I call them a big voice and a little voice. And the big voice is the ego. That's like, Oh, don't do this, do this. But it's like the thing, the voice that's serving all the fears and what you think you should be doing. Whereas that little voice, we have to learn to hear it. Um, and that's what meditation helps us do. And the little voice is that tiny voice that's attached to who you really are, who you're supposed to be. Um, and we spend our lives tuning it out and walking circles around it. Um, and it's hard to listen to that. It's also scary as hell to really tune into that and listen to it and, and, and really try to live doing what it says. But it's that inner voice or that intuition. And that sunflower symbol is attached to that. So that's something to keep in mind and keep an eye out for. And that's what that queen of wands has to do with. And that's in the, like in the present position. And it sounds like you've been mm-hmm. like, you even said you're listening to this voice, but for you, it's a big voice and you're sticking to it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, and then also the king of pentacles, he's like covered in the grapes. So mm-hmm. great grape symbolism in tarot. And then just also in art um, grapes have to do. Okay. So when grapes die, they grow, they flourish, and then we yank them off the vine. And then what, do, what is the beverage that we turn grapes into? Wine. Wine. So the fruit dies. It stops being a fruit, and it turns into this other thing. It's very different from a fresh grape, and it has a different effect on us, it's, but it's from the same origin. And grapes have to do with um, that, that renewal concept, like you may end up someplace that you never foresaw as a bottle of wine. If you're growing on the vine all summer long and all of a sudden you're like rotting in a vat and you're like pretty sure that you're dead, but then you become this awesome bottle of red wine or something that gets whipped out at a celebration. So that's, so this King guy is literally covered in all of these fruits that are about to be transformed into something totally different that you would never necessarily think. So I'd have you keep an eye out for um, wine and grapes and that kind of symbolism. And if an invitation shows up out of nowhere for you to come with somebody to a wine tasting, you should absolutely do it and just sort of embrace that kind of stuff. Um, 
tarot cards are like they're it's just a collection of symbols and themes and values that's just put on these cards and all they are, are like little winks from the universe that's like hey have you checked in lately with x y or z and they serve as a good reminder but these little symbols are kind of fun little things to keep an eye out for in your day-to-day life because they end up they can become things to help remind you of like the big picture or serving your purpose or who you're supposed to be and for you that's sunflowers and grapes for sure um, I'm also curious so you have this this the the queen of wands in the present when she oh. appears and with a man next to her, which is the King of Pentacles, it's um, usually you are the King of Pentacles, and this Queen of Wands is a prominent female figure in your life. Um, in tarot, gender is sometimes literally male and female, but also it it can be like what those qualities represent, like feminine qualities, like softness and openness and abundance and growth. Um, so be thinking about if there's somebody in your life that has like expressed sort of softer qualities and pay attention to who that person is because you want to make sure you're learning or gaining as much as you can from that person that can offer you some of that insight. I want to pull up one more symbol because in this Queen of Wands card, you got that black cat. I have a black cat that lives in my yard. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he may live under my house, actually, or he spends a lot of time hanging Interesting. around. So cats, cats have to do with watchfulness, awareness, perception. Um, shown on the Queen of Rods card, the cat is a message that there's energies at work that we may not be aware of, but we can certainly tap into. Cats are also a symbol of like intuition or psychic ability, whatever you want to call it. Um, so when this queen of rods shows up, it's the queen and her cat will make a point that you've got to keep your wits about you and keep awareness of all sides of, of the story, of all sides of the situation in life, like especially at the present moment. So that's your terror reading. What do you think? It's really interesting. It's funny. It's you know, it's funny how um, you know three cards can um, can consume what um, forty five minutes worth of time. Oh dang! Are we already at forty five minutes? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies. So. Well, well yeah. I had a I had a long story that I went into, but um, no, that's really it's really interesting. I mean, it's a, a um, I think a really nice tool just sort of to sit down and, um, and for, of contemplation, if not anything else, you know, you can use it as a tool to, you know, I mean, um, kind of think about, you know, think about things. Um, uh, it'd be, it'd be, inter- uh, you know, what would be interesting would be to, um, I'd like to, I'd like to experience it one more time with somebody that I don't have a personal connection with. Yes. Um, because I, it's a nice facilitate a uh, way to facilitate a conversation between two people who know one another. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if it would have been enjoy as enjoyable if I just walk into a tarot place on the, you know, or a lady, uh, we have plenty of them, you know, like, you know, uh, especially down in the French quarter. Yeah. There are tons of, there's tons of tarot reading. Maybe I'll pull over one day and just, um, and, and, Pop and, in. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 see if it's a similar experience. Yeah, um, that'd be but, interesting uh, to hear hear the difference and how that goes. And I'd be mm-hmm. curious if you pulled 
cards that had sunflowers or black cats or grapes on them again mm -hmm. for that common what about thread. The, what about the bull? There was a bull on the um, on the throne. Oh yes. Was... So the king is literally sitting on a throne that has the bull. So he's sitting on his stubbornness. He's sitting on all the characters and traits that have to do with what a bull tends to represent. Um, and you know, bulls can be our our foundations, right? They're 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 known for being like stubborn and they'll they're heavy and they take up space. So, but this king's figured out, you know what, that's a great place to sit because it's gonna be consistent. And he's not right. trying to carry the bull anymore, trying to move the bull around. So that's kind of what that symbolism means with the cards. I feel like tarot is in a lot of ways like a, a modern form of meditation, or it can be for people who don't know how to meditate. You know, you pull mm -hmm. a card, you think about what the card represents, and then you relate it to your own life. That's mm -hmm. that reflection and introspection that I think um, a lot of people don't know how to do or how to get. Yeah, it's got an element of psychotherapy as well, you know, because, you know, you can use those symbols just to, I mean, on one hand, they're pretty mundane, you mm -hmm. know, but um, they can trigger, okay. they can, you know, that you can go pretty deeply into. Yeah. Um, and especially if you have somebody that, you know, that is skilled at facilitating that dialogue, you know, you might be able to work through quite a bit of, um, of stuff. So yeah. probably is this probably like, um, the old, the old version of, you know, going to, you know, therapy <laughs> yes. and uh, talking about stuff. <laughs> yes, it is. Know. It is. It is. It totally. Oh, is. really? Yes. Yes. Before we had psychology, we had tarot cards and a lot of times people would go to the local tarot card reader to make sense of life. And what do we, like, why do people go to therapists? They're trying to make sense of life, but we just didn't have, you know, <laughs> we didn't have so that what the, then. So, so the, the, what, uh, let, me, let me guess, the church made quick work of that and, you know, sort of put the taboo, yep. uh, you yep. know, on the idea, you know, because it's what, the occult or something like yep. that? Or and then it pushed, sort of and, and that, the, the, the church trying to regulate it pushed tarot underground, never went away. People just went to the tarot reader in secret instead. And then in modern day, you have people that see, you know, therapists or psychologists or whatever, but there's always interest in tarot. So Matt and I, after this interview, first of all, we did not have like a clean ending because Matt and I actually continued to talk afterwards. Um, so sorry, there's not a clean transition here. Um, but what I do have for you right now to sort of continue to tell Matt's story is two updates from him. We have an update from Matt that he sent in February and another one in April. And I'm going to read what he said to you. Here we go. Life's been great since my reading. I've been looking for the symbols we discussed, and I've been accepting invitations to events that I would have never considered in the past. For example, next Saturday, I'll be working an event known locally as the biggest party of the year. It's a costume thing that happens during Mardi Gras, and my specific responsibility will be judging attendee costumes to evaluate if they're good enough to get in. I am not a costume person. I haven't worn any sort of costume since 1987 for Halloween, so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I'm expecting to experience much, if not all of the symbolism from the King of Pentacles card at the event. It is Mardi Gras after all. 
I definitely enjoyed the reading, it had a feeling of psychotherapy, and I really liked the nature of allowing fate to select the cards, etc. I could see myself doing it again in the future. Here's what Matt had to say in April. I hope my interview doesn't come come across as too crazy. I was coming off a really intense experience and was a tad obsessed. Since my reading, I've been focusing on coming out of my shell a bit more. A lot more, actually. I took the lookout for wine events and put my own spin on it, as wine isn't really my thing. I've just been making an effort to connect more with people I interact with, and it's making happiness and joy much more effortless. So that's our update from Matt. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your life with all of us. I know for sure there are people that listen who are really going to identify and connect with you and your perspective. Um, And I'm also, I feel really lucky that I have so many neat, awesome, experienced, smart, thoughtful people in my real life. So Matt, thank you. Now for the last chapter of episode eight with Matt, I have for you the special guest I promised earlier, and that is Victor Imperi. Hi, Victor. Hi, Cole. How are you? I'm good. Um, I just realized what's so odd about this for me right now is because before Victor and I were married and we both were in college, we were literally doing this because we had a morning show in Huntington, West Virginia, on 88.1 FM, WMUL, The Cutting Edge, and we had a morning show, which was called, what was it called, Victor? Uh, it, had, it went through several iterations. It was originally called The Tuesday Morning Show, uh, but then we got, our schedule was changed, <laughs> and we were put on Wednesdays. So it became The Tuesday Morning Show on, on Wednesdays. Wednesdays. And then we got changed again to Thursdays, so it became the Tuesday morning show on Wednesdays, now now on on Thursdays. Thursdays. And so once a week, we would have this three-hour morning show, um, Victor and I and um, another guy, Michael. And uh, we did that for several years, and we won six awards because the content was so good. So anyway, how funny. Here we are, what? Like, what is it, like 10 years later? More than that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Several more than that. Okay. Anyway, um, Victor, I thought it would be cool to have you be a talker on this episode because um, I called you an asshole. You did. While I was talking to Matt, and I felt as though you deserved the opportunity to at least defend yourself, maybe qualify that a little bit if you wanted. Um, But anyway, let me ask you this, because you have edited every single one of these episodes. You have listened to more tarot readings than you probably ever thought you would. Um, That's true. Yeah. That is true. It, well, it depends on when you would have asked me that question. If you'd have asked me at 15, how many tarot readings in your life do you think you'll hear? I would have maybe said, I mean, on a high estimate, four, I guess. <laughs> uh, if you'd have asked me that at, say, 20, let's say good 10 years in the future, 25, after having known you for five years, I definitely would have increased that number. How many tarot readings do you think you will, have, you will hear in your lifetime? It wouldn't be four anymore. Um, I would maybe average that out to say, oh man, maybe one tarot reading every other year for mm-hmm. the rest of my life. <laughs> so, I mean, that would have increased it significantly up to like 30 or so. No, I guess not 30, but maybe 25, You knew what you were getting into with me because I've had a tarot deck as long as I've known you. You've had several. Yeah. Um, 
But now, yeah, now I've already exceeded that lifetime yeah. aren't you, estimation. Aren't you lucky? Very. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> truly. Okay, so what did you think about the conversation I had with Matt? Well, first of all, you're, I unequivocally, I have been an asshole, was an asshole, <laughs> and probably still am an asshole. Yeah, I would agree with that. Plenty often. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, no, this was... Um, this was a really interesting episode for me, one that I really enjoyed. Um, and not just because there was portions of it focused on me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, it's interesting. It's, uh, there's a lot of parallels between Matt's story and my own. And it's interesting in the timing of them as well, uh, that he and I both have experienced some of the exact same things or very similar things in our lives around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I historically am a very negative person. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, I, I would have said not negative about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had, I think I always had a positive outlook on the future, mm-hmm. um, that things could be better or would be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and in times of crisis, mm-hmm. in times when there is tragedy around, I was able to say, oh, but look at, but it's not all terrible. There's a small thing we can look at. And I thought that uh, my perspective on myself was that those, that outlook of, well, when the house is burning down, I'm able to say at least we're alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I'm living on the street, I'm able to say, I probably won't live in the street tomorrow. I thought that those things made me a positive person. Mm. Um, ignoring the fact that I was just generally speaking negative about everything else. Um, mm-hmm. And and negative in the way that I thought, negative in the way that I spoke. My initial reaction to everything was always, well, here's the bad part. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been working on, you kind of, I think, had a major realization about the sort of pattern that you've had. Um, and I know you've been looking a lot at like understanding how that sort of negativity or the cynicism is a reaction that serves to protect you from something, right? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, specifically I developed the habit, like I actively as a, as a young person made a choice to not be positive or excited about anything. Because if you are positive and excited, you can be let down. Mm-hmm. Then if those things don't happen, then you'll be sad about it. But if you know from the instant there's an inkling that something good can happen, if you know in your heart that it won't, then you don't ever suffer a loss. Mm-hmm. Because you never have... That moment doesn't come and you become disappointed with it. Uh, and I mean, I've been, I've been actively practicing that for as long as I can remember. Uh, and while it's something that today I realize today I am I realized I, I had that pattern in my life and I understand the negativity that that brings and, yeah. and how many opportunities that prevents me from having um, even and choosing to not think that way. I still mm-hmm. think that way a lot. I mm-hmm. still, it, it doesn't, you know, you talked in the episode about, about a window opening. Mm-hmm. 
And the thing about a window is that you can see what's out there if yeah. you're looking out the window. Um, but you're not necessarily climbing out there yet. You're not necessarily <laughs> climbing out the window. You're not, it's easy to, to realize you've drifted off and you're not looking at that anymore. Mm -hmm. So it still, it still takes a lot of, uh, it still takes a lot of work, I guess. It still takes, um, it takes a lot of focus. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal for anybody to get to a point where you look at your own behavior patterns and identify like, whoa, I am consistently doing this thing that I need to stop doing because I am preventing myself from having a fuller experience of life. And I think just from knowing you, obviously we've been, how long have I known you? Uh, 15 My years. My entire adult freaking life. 15 years. My intention in college was to cat around town and I met Victor like the third week of college. And I remember the first time I met Victor in the radio station in front of, we had CDs back in the day, um, a whole wall of like drawers full of CDs. And I remember talking to you for the first time and I felt like an out-of-body experience, like I could see us talking. And I remember this little voice going, you're going to marry this guy. And I was real pissed about that because I went to college to like be Felicity and like date a lot of people. And... <laughs> I, I, on the other hand, I remember there standing there and basically saying over and over, don't get your hopes up. Oh, that's sad. You should, life is about like, get your hopes up. What well, is so interesting too? this like negativity thing and, and just even Matt with, with his background in the yoga world and meditation and being around all these people that are like, Oh, we are all orbs of happiness, you know? And you have been living around me, mm -hmm. this person who loves loss for the light that it can bring into your lives because you cannot know how great happiness is unless you have sadness. And so one thing that's been frustrating for me as the person that's with you day to day, it's like I have felt like you've resisted all of this shit that I talk about and have research for and like show, but you're like, oh, no, no, no. That doesn't apply to me. You know, like, oh, no, 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 no. My way is better than that. Well. But you live with me. It's, yeah. Well, it just goes to show you that it's it's not that straightforward. And something that I think that Matt said, um, and I definitely identify with, and still it's something that I struggle with. I liked being the negative person. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and I saw that as an asset. Because the negative person identifying those, identifying negativity, um, I oftentimes have, even still, I have a perspective to share that no one else in the room has. Mm -hmm. um, and because I have, I've had that, I don't like saying it this way, <laughs> but the truth is throughout my life, I've been rewarded mm -hmm. by being the person in the room that has a perspective that nobody else does. Mm -hmm. I've been rewarded uh, both in our business and I've been mm -hmm. rewarded in social situations with being the funny guy that sees the thing that nobody else sees, mm -hmm. that sees the disparity or the hypocrisy, whatever it is, I have been rewarded by having that outlook. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen that outlook as an asset to myself. Mm -hmm. And um, so you, we hold on to, I mean, and, and to the extent that I, that until very recently, I have not viewed my negativity as a choice but my negativity is an innate aspect of who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so my, the shift that I am working on is 
understanding that that negativity is not a personality. No, it's not. Now, what made you change the relationship between the idea of like, hey, this is an asset, I'm dope, to like, oh, I don't want to be this anymore? My life. Mm, that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good sign. <laughs> right? Uh, things work until they stop working. Mm. Uh, and some of those things stopped working. Yeah. You, uh, you shit in the soup. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, my shit sank to the bottom so I could eat the soup for a long time <laughs> until until I was confronted yeah. with, with my own with, shit. With what you put in, in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'd still a struggle because there are aspects I'm working to figure out how to take this part of who I am void mm -hmm. while removing the negativity, but the part that is that is beneficial and that does give me a perspective that other people don't have without it having to be negative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because honestly, if your goal is to look at something and find the negative, that's not really doing anything intelligent or smart or creative. It's just being an asshole. I, I had a friend of mine uh, from high school and college um, said, said a thing to me at one point that it is one of the, I don't know. I have rumination. I know you talked about rumination in this episode. Ruminations um, living in the past. And and having things go through your head over and over. And I have a, a I have a little I have my own little deck of cards of these moments and things that have happened in my life that I replay over and over and over for one reason or another. Um it, but this is this is one that is is positive. It stuck with me for a kind of a negative reason. Um but we were talking about movies or some sort of creative thing. And uh, she said, it's easy to make a piece of artwork that leaves you with an emotional punch that is negative. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't, I don't want that in my life. Like, yes, there's, there's validity to um, art that creates a, an emotional response of any kind. That's the point. But a negative one is easier to get. To make a movie that leaves you with a feeling of despair at the end I mean, how many things that are out there that we think of as really good and these great pieces of work that leave us with those kinds of feelings? Mm -hmm. She said, I don't care. I don't want that. I don't, that doesn't matter. That's easy. She said, it's really hard to do that, but leave somebody feeling hopeful and positive. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I have, that has, it has rang in my mind for two decades now mm -hmm. because, um, because my because I could, I didn't feel like I ever got my creativity to that place. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I agreed with her. I didn't think about it that way, but I agreed. But my creativity always ended in despair. Mm -hmm. And I, that's not, and, and because she is right, that is easier to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess I'm, as people get older and they approach, it's not, it's uh, for me, it's not death that is. But like the reality that like, oh yeah, I'm really gonna it's, die. It's not death, it's just, it's it's time. Yeah. Right? It's just time. And being at a point in my life where a realization that there are fewer tomorrows, mm. right? I'm a person mm. that everything on my list isn't on my list today. It's always been on my list tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And understanding that there are, that those, there are fewer tomorrows. Mm -hmm. Um and that if I had put some focus in certain things a decade ago, I would be a decade ahead instead of a decade behind. Mm -hmm. um, 
But that's you ruminating in regret, which will guaranteed take you to a shitty place. It is. And you know that. And there's safety in knowing that you can control this in, in, in that way. Like you can take control of a situation by guaranteeing that you're going to end up with a negative point of view. And it's less safe for you to imagine a different future that's, that's positive, that, that, that ends with it not being awful and not being a letdown and not being a regret. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's about, but. But like you wouldn't be the, where you are no. if you hadn't had the past that like the way that it was. That is true, and everyone has a different road to where they go. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it is. Uh, it's about. It's about. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what it's all about. I know being present is a big part of it. I know mm-hmm. not. Uh, not looking at what I could have done differently yesterday. Yeah. And what I can do differently today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. welcome to the happy part of the episode <laughs> anyway no i just i really appreciate that you're willing to talk to me about this because as matt said he felt like you guys are sort of cut from the same cloth or i think soul brothers and i always felt that about the two of you just watching you interact um both are like turtles you have this like shell i think there's <laughs> like maybe i'm not I'm slow gonna speak for, whatever <laughs> If I flip you on your backs, you're going to have a hard time flipping over. <laughs> yep. 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 That is exactly, that is, I'm going to, I'm going to speak for Matt and say, yes, we are both turtles and yes, we have difficulty getting off of our back. Uh, speaking of reptiles, I do want to make a correction uh, because I, I don't, although we, we are places where people can message the podcast are overwhelmingly positive and it's amazing and uh, I, because I haven't been on mm-hmm. Mike to say this, thank you everyone for your support and your positivity um, and, and, and your participation in these episodes. It's really great. Yeah, it's awesome. That, that being said, I do want to make, I want to shield from like internet ire in that Cole said in Jurassic Park at the beginning of this episode <laughs> that there are velociraptors that spit and blind people. <laughs> There are not. Yeah, they're in 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 the kitchen. The, okay, like, there are velociraptors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there are velociraptors in the kitchen. Of it, there's a scene of velociraptors in the. First of all, have you? No, you it's have seen. Scary. Ju- you have seen Jurassic Park because I've watched that with you. That's one of the few movies you've seen. So uh, there is a scene in the kitchen with velociraptors. However. Velociraptors are not the ones that spit. Oh, you're right. That large man on the toilet gets it. Newman. Yeah, Newman. <laughs> uh, Wayne, uh, I can't remember his last name. Newman. Yeah. He is the one. No, he doesn't sit on a toilet. There's. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Hold on. We have to make these corrections. <laughs> it is the lawyer that is on the toilet that gets eaten oh, by the right. T-Rex. He was such a baby. I mean, he got... Yeah, but dinosaurs. So I just, it's not a velociraptor that spits. I don't know. I used to love dinosaurs when I was a kid. I still like them. I knew more about them then. I don't know what kind of dinosaur it was, but it had the neck thing. It It did did that. that. Yep. And it spit at Newman as he was trying to flee the island. But it's not a velociraptor. Okay. We know that. Okay. Thank you. dealt with. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm glad I can be of service. Yeah, thanks. All right, well, Victor, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Cole. Do you have any other comments or things you'd like to add? 
I have nothing more to say other than thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, Victor, for all the production work. And in the meantime, um, we'll both be in the Life, Death, Tarot Facebook group from time to time. I'm going to encourage Victor to say hello there. And uh, also, good job on being less of an asshole. Thank you, Cole. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> and with that, we'd like to thank you for listening to Life, Death, Tarot podcast. The music is starting right now for the end. Uh, and we'll catch you. We won't. I won't. But Cole, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>